Yeah, and you didn't even order it, but you got it. Love. That's that's what I'm. That's that's what star sacks are to me. Yeah. The un like the unfound chicken everybody, nugget that you didn't even order. Everybody loves a surprise chicken nugget. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host Justin Goddard. Tonight, we're going to talk about how the Buffalo Bills pummeled the Houston Texans 40 to nothing, and then we're going to give our recaps on the offensive highlights, defensive highlights, and I guess the offensive and defensive lowlights, if there are any. <laughs> um, we'll just give you our general takeaways. And then we'll give you our player of the week. You can find us on most social media platforms even and even on YouTube by searching up The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. In addition, you can find us as well as other amazing shows by looking up the Built in Buffalo Network. But before we get started, Justin, we have some great news to tell the people. We are now moving into a two-day segment. Woo! So we'll give you kind of like our, you know game wrap up uh here on wednesdays and then on thursdays we'll give you our game preview so make each episode a little more digestible and for you as the viewer or listener and uh hopefully we'll give be able to squeeze more content in for you justin how do you feel about that and how are you doing tonight yeah i'm really excited for that i think it'll it'll give us a little bit more of an opportunity to dive into our thoughts and spread it out a little bit I'm of course mm-hmm. doing wonderful tonight. It's always uh, it's great to start the week off with a with a Bills win. It's even better when it's a real good old fashioned beatdown. Um, mm-hmm. Still far from a perfect game, but we'll get into all that. But forty a little forty burger to start out my week was a was a good way to do it. For sure, for sure. And man, every everybody's winning. Even the Jets. Everyone seems to be winning. Except for me and my volleyball team. We came so close tonight. And then we lost. In typical old school Bills fashion. But we're we're talking about the new school Bills here. So let's dive into that Houston Texans game. As Justin just mentioned, we won 40 to nothing. And we got to start with Josh Allen, right? So this guy goes 20 for 29. 69% completion. Uh, percentage and then throws for 248 yards a QBR of 103.8 two touchdowns one interception pretty good uh, you know and I'll I'll kind of I'll start this off by saying this I thought he started the game off a little shaky and you know we're going to talk about his first throw being an interception and it was a way overthrow like by a lot and then shortly after that, you know, when, when he got the ball back, he overthrew Diggs again a couple plays later. And then missed Knox on an outside shoulder throw towards the end zone. But maybe that was like a miscommunication error because he was going back shoulder, kind of like the play they did that Knox got scored a touchdown against the Washington football team. But this time they didn't connect on it. Uh, you know, and then later in the game, he overthrew Moss a little bit towards the pylon. And there was a you know, and we'll, we'll get into it, but there, it felt like there was a lot of red zone trips that just resulted in Tyler Bass 
converted field goals. And I don't really like to see that considering we were playing against an inferior opponent, and especially since we have the Kansas City Chiefs to look forward to next week. This game was wet. Very, very wet. So that could have played a role, and I'm definitely, I definitely think it played a role. But uh, what, what were your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it was like I said, it was far from a perfect game. Um, what I, what I, my main takeaway from the game is with the offense leaving a lot of meat on the bone and missing some plays and not finishing in the red zone. I mean, with the strength of our defense and them playing a full team game opponent considered and everything we still dropped 40 points on a team in the nfl and held them to nothing um is there a lot that i would have liked to see clean up and all that yeah sure um but we're still talking a game where josh ends up with the 69 percent completion um almost almost 300 yards two touchdowns yeah the interception was terrible i don't know I don't know how much of that was a wet ball or whatever, but I mean, that was just a really, really horrible pass. Um, so, I mean, he, he made up for it over the course of the rest of the game. And I think if, if Houston really presented us any sort of threat throughout the game, this probably would have ended up being like 400 yards and four touchdowns. Cause he really turned it around. Uh, I think just kind of as the game played out, we got to lean on the run game a little bit more. So, you know, kind of pedestrian-looking numbers, but I think overall it ended up being a pretty good game for him, all things considered. Yeah, and we got to talk about the rain a little more, to your point. It it was... I made fun of Davis Mills because he, he tried doing... I don't know if he tried pump faking or whatever, but on his first series, it just fell out of his hand, quite literally, like someone had poured butter on his finger and someone tossed it at his hands. It, it literally just popped out like like nothing. And I made fun of him for it when he tried going for a pump fake because after that, you see Josh Allen throw this huge pump fake, which eventually he found Knox in the end zone which was amazing an amazing play because he he everyone's looking at Diggs. you see three houston defenders all stop in their tracks look at Diggs, and then knox just comes underneath open and just tumbles in for a touchdown yeah and the, what an amazing play yeah and the the rain was definitely a factor for both teams and i still think the result would have looked pretty similar without the weather um, it, it mm-hmm. seems like we found a way to get it done and it probably would have looked a little bit different, maybe a little sexier without the rain. But I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it, it, it affects both teams equally and Davis Mills maybe would have looked a little bit better, but Josh would have looked a little bit better. You know, it kind of comes out in the wash and, and we saw both teams struggling with some drops and uh, Josh had a fumbled snap and... You know, just things like that that, you know, it kind of goes both ways for the team. But, yeah, Davis Mills ends up, you know, doing a pump fake and coming away with the empty hand. You know, maybe you don't see something like that if it wasn't raining. But I I still don't think it would have changed much of the complexion of the game. Yeah, and that's a good point because 
as we know, Singletary fumbled. Stephon Diggs fumbled. Uh, as you mentioned, Josh Allen fumbled a snap. It, I, I was worried a little bit that this, this was going to play a bigger factor, but he eventually was able to turn around as well as the rest of the Bills' offense here. He found some rhythm after the first quarter. You know, um, you know we got to talk about where he he evaded two defenders straight up in his face rolling to his right finding digs on that deep deep ball towards the sideline throwing a bullet Con- caught it was amazing later on in the game he throws a bullet to sanders while uh while deon dawkins gets pushed into him and he kind of just does like a sidearm flick and it's still on a line to sanders which was a great pickup it and we got to talk about we got to talk about Emmanuel Sanders. What of what a nice pickup. I was super sad to see John Brown gone. But man, Sanders has been on the field. And that's something that John Brown didn't really do a lot of last year. So, and I know it's only 4 games and it's you know, whatever, but he he's been doing good and he's been building that continuity with Josh Allen and it's been great it's been real great yeah and through the through the first two weeks it looked like they kind of had just a little bit of timing or chemistry something was just a little bit off there and it it seems like they really worked on that and over the last two games he's just been a constant reliable weapon he's really showing why you know he's the type he's the player that Bean was going after for years and finally was able to bring in. Uh, so I kind of wish we were able to get him a couple of years ago and, and still had a couple of years left with him. Um, but who knows, if he keeps playing like this, maybe maybe it's not just a one-year deal in Buffalo. Maybe he can re-sign for another year or two. We'll see what happens. Yeah, let's hope that that's the kind of momentum we're, <laughs> or direction we're going into if he keeps this up. And you know we're we're going to talk about the other wide receivers such as Beasley who I thought got involved really really late into this game and just kind of had a small role but like we said we'll we'll get into the receivers later but most importantly Josh Allen left with half of the fourth quarter still to go and we saw Mitch Trubisky enter and he even scored a touchdown so that's the, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. Second best quarterback in the AFC East right there. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this offensive line. And as we, as most of you probably know, they kicked Darrell Williams into the right guard spot, and Spencer Brown started at right tackle. And that leaves Cody Ford on the bench. But before we kind of talk about that, we got to give credit where credit is due. And during our Hot Takes episode, Justin forecasted, and our Hot Takes episode were kind of stuff that we could see happening, but it's just, I guess, kind of unlikely that it would happen. Justin, you hit the nail on the head. We saw Williams get kicked inside. Spencer Brown started at right tackle. Where was your head at when you when you came up with that take? I would I would like to give myself a lot more credit than I deserve, but it was kind of just as we were preparing for that episode, I was just kind of like spitballing, you know, what could be spicy and, and what could I realistically see happening? And 
it kind of just clicked in my head, you know, like at one point Daryl Williams played some guard and I don't know. I just, I, I think it was partially that it was like draft night video of Spencer Brown smashing the table. And I don't know if that just like made me feel like he had it or like just made me want him to have it more. Um, but I wasn't in love with the pick when we made it and he really turned my opinion around real quick and just his size and athleticism alone. I mean, yeah, clean up the stuff at the NFL level, but when you're that kind of a specimen, it makes up for a lot of deficiencies in, in your technique and whatnot. Um, so it was kind of something that I wanted to see happen throughout the year more than something I thought would happen. And like I said, un- unfortunately, it, it comes at, at the cost of Cody Ford right now, who's, I mean, even with Feliciano out, he still didn't kick over to the other side. It, it was Butker. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that kind of speaks to where they feel about Cody Ford going forward right now. Um, but, again, everything here is kind of with the caveat of we were playing the Texans. Um, but I I think the line looked pretty good this week with uh, Spencer Brown out there. And more importantly, he just looks like he's having a blast, and I love seeing that on the oh, field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about he He's out there, and I forgot what player it was, but I shared something on Twitter where he, he's looking at a Houston Texans defender. And mind you, he Spencer Brown is 6'8", I'm six foot, and he's looking at someone and who's five ten, and he's literally putting his damn hand down to my height. Like that's just how tall this man is. He's just like short. You're short. Get out of my face. I can't see you doing the you know sailor man. Like you must be this tall to ride like, this ride. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh my god, it. De- you want to talk about taunting? If there was a if there was a taunting play, I guess that would have to be it. <laughs> but they didn't throw the flag on him, and I'm real happy about it. It, it. That that stuff that stuff is just awesome. It it's it's kind of football. It that's why I love love the guy so far. Um, so let's talk about this pass blocking real quick. As I mentioned, I you know I I just thought that the line held up pretty well in terms of pass blocking and run blocking so pass blocking pretty good in my opinion Daryl Williams looked okay at guard but this is only one game and since we're on the topic of Spencer Brown I thought he looked nice at right tackle I, I went back and watched a couple plays you know slowed it down to like half speed so I could watch specifically Spencer Brown, and I think there was only one play where I saw him get pushed back to the point where Allen had to dodge that pressure, and I, I forgot who I was listening to, but they they were saying like that's the type of tro- that's the type of player that's or move that's gonna give Spencer Brown troubles. Bull rushes right in front, right in his face, and then the inside like cut move. Uh, but in general, I. I thought I thought Spencer Brown and the offensive pass blocking looked great. You know, Deion Dawkins did let up a sack, and I'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt since he's still kind of recovering from COVID. And yes, it's been like two, three weeks, but he was also in the hospital for longer than that. So uh, I'm gonna still give him the benefit of the doubt for that. And 
I, I like I said, man, and when I look back at that pass that Allen threw where Dawkins was in his lap, it actually looked like Fokker was with Mitch Morris and then he looked over. It was like, oh, I'm going to help, De- help Dion. But consequently, he pushed Dion kind of into Josh Allen's lap. And then Allen was just like, uh, okay, throw this to Sanders. <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting this big boy in my lap, but I'll, I'll make it work. The, the, the other play I really remember seeing from Spencer Brown, I think it was a Singletary run. Um, it was like down in the red zone and like as Singletary's like in the process of about to get tackled, Spencer Brown just comes from the other side of the frame and just comes up, just physically throws Singletary. And it was like another three yards of him just taking another grown man and just throwing him. And that that was fun to see too. Um, yeah, overall I, I feel pretty good about the offensive line after this week. Um, but I'm also kind of in this weird spot where I feel like we just played like a preseason game and mm-hmm. we're also looking forward to like the Super Bowl of the season. So it's like this weird dichotomy of like, yeah, Spencer Brown looked good in his first start, um, but also like what talent is, is coming after him um, versus going into, you know, one of the best teams in football next week. Um, so not just for the offensive line, but the football team in general. Uh, next week is just it's just going to be a huge measuring stick, no matter what way you cut it. Yeah, yeah, and you know reps are reps, and it, I'm glad that he got to start when he did, especially against the Houston Texans. And reps are even good for the starters on this team right now. So I, I'm gonna you know take things back to that pass where. Josh Allen had rolled his right and threw that sideline past Diggs. You know, two defenders right up in his grill. I went back and rewatched that play and thought to myself, okay, why was he heavily pressured? Like, did they just not bite? Did the Texans not bite on that? And yeah, they didn't bite on it, but it also didn't help that Bacher and Morse just kind of blew their assignments all together. And it was obvious because both their defenders just didn't even pay any attention and let them go right by him. So it was immediate pressure. Allen Road does right. And he, he bailed him out. He bailed him out very, 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 very fortunate for them. And when it comes to the Blitz, I, I saw I saw them pick up the Blitz pretty well. Uh, you know, late in the second quarter, you saw Allen throw a 17-yard strike to Sanders. Uh, but the O-line did a great job shifting the protection to the right towards Spencer Brown. So, it, again, he's first time in the lineup, but he was able to communicate with the veterans to his left and were like, hey, I got this guy all the way to the right here. You guys got to get the people down the line. And the left, Deion Dawkins on an island to himself. And it, it, it was just great to see that it was a seamless transition from you know regular pass blocking uh, the run game and just in picking up the blitz. So the communication was, I liked it. Yeah. Let's transition to the, the run blocking at the run game. As you mentioned, I, I thought the run game looked real good. Uh, they were, there was like a 
third and two that Gilliam couldn't convert. And this this is where we're going to talk about a little bit of the negative stuff. It just looked like Daryl Williams kind of let some pressure on the inside. And we all know what happened next. Josh Allen just took it and then went all the way up the field like the goat that he is. So that, that was pretty cool. Uh, there was also another third and two that Moss couldn't convert in the red zone. But I think it's because, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, but it was number 97 of Houston who just shot out of a cannon that prevented Mitch Morris from getting over and creating sealing that block from the free linebacker, and it just resulted in tackle for loss. So there is, there's definitely some areas for the run game and pass game to uh, clean up, but I think it means something that McDermott said, like, hey, this is our preferred starting five now which was kind of interesting considering this is not the original starting five that I had originally thought in my head. So, Yeah, it, it was a little oh. surprising to me that he came right out and said, like, this is our starting five or preferred starting five because um, that, that kind of leaves Feliciano on the outside too. And, you know, to, for it to shift that much through four weeks that, you know, two of your starters are not going to be on the bench um, – I'm not necessarily quite sold on McDermott telling me that. Um, I'm not sure if I believe him. I do I do like Ike Botker about as much as Feliciano, um, but I'm not convinced that we don't see Feliciano back in there. Um, I know the team really likes him. I know you know, he's kind of like the, the offensive line, offensive hype man. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens there when he's healthy again. Um, but I kind of expected mm-hmm. him to be the one that ended up getting replaced, and I was really thinking that we'd see a step from Cody Ford. Uh, as it looks now, it looks like, you know, neither of them have really sold the coaching staff on them being out there. So that that's going to be really interesting yeah. to watch going forward. You know, speaking of Ike Bacher, I, I think he's – you know what you're getting from him but you don't know what you're getting from Cody Ford. And I think that makes the difference right there, right? And when it comes to John Feliciano, I think he's a little overrated, you know? And, hey, I'm not the only one who out there who thinks this. I love John Feliciano, but, uh, you know, that first game he got mauled. And he bounced back a little bit better in the Dolphins game. And then, you know, unfortunately got the concussion after the the, um, football game. But in general, I I expected him to play a little bit better or hold himself up a little bit better uh, in those first three games. And it's unfortunate that that he got a concussion in practice. But we we saw a little bit more stability with Bakker, I guess, against this team. And, you know... Going back to a running play, I'm thinking about how Moss, um, how he rushed in for one of those touchdowns, and it's funny because you can see Gilliam come through the hole and try to create some space for Moss, and then Bakker's right next to him. Gilliam's looking at this one dude, and he's like, you could just tell he's thinking, like, do I block him, or does what's going on at least that's what i'm thinking and then you see bacher push him into the dude and clear the rest of the lane over i got both and that's how it kind of then you know 
Yeah, he was just like, you go here, I go there. And then Moss just kind of tumbled in easily for the touchdown. So I remember looking at that play and laughing because there was a, there was a stutter for a second, and then pfft, he just gets pushed. <laughs> Overall, offensive line, great work. Let's transition to these wide receivers. Leading the way, Stephon Diggs. Seven receptions, 114 yards, an average of 16.3 yards per perception. Man, this man popped off, right? Didn't get a touchdown, but he was still super effective in this game. I'm so happy that he's a Buffalo Bills. Like, the, everyone's kind of concerned, like, oh, where, why isn't he, where, where are these, where's Stefan Diggs in these first couple games? Like, he's coming, guys, and he came on, he came on Sunday. Like, literally, he came out, and it, it was great. He showed rapport that he always has with Josh Allen. And, I mean, he did have that ball punched out on him. But, uh, I mean, if any player could have that happen to him. It's happened to a bunch of people, and the conditions were wet. So don't, don't hate, uh, hate on him too much for that. But uh, I thought he really impacted the game, and he, he made some tough catches out there. Some really, really tough catches. So much respect to Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and one of the things I really like about um, Diggs this season, uh, you know, he didn't have, like, the the eye-popping numbers through the first few weeks, but he was still getting, you know, six, six seven catches, 60 yards, something like that. Um, but he gets the volume targets, and, you know, if he keeps getting targeted 10-plus times a game, you know, the numbers are going to come, and it, it's not always going to be 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. Um, but I also like, with the leadership role they put him into this year, just hearing him have that maturity that, you know, so, something that a lot of people might not have thought you were going to get out of Diggs when, you know, everything came out with Minnesota. Because he's a diva. Yeah, because he's a diva. And, you know, just hearing him say, you know, I'm concerned with winning. You know, some weeks it might be me. Some some weeks it might be me drawing attention away from the other guys, and, and then it's time for them to step up and make plays. And uh, that's what I think mm-hmm. we've seen over the last couple weeks. You know, last week we had uh, Sanders and Beasley both knocking on the door for 100 yards. This week it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to have that player in the offense that can take on whatever role you need that week is either going to end up in a great game for him or, you know, being able to spread the ball out to some of these other guys and let them have their time to shine. So overall, two thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. And the other wide receiver that balled out was Emmanuel Sanders. He caught five passes for 74 yards. And he, like like we mentioned in before and earlier in this episode, he's slowly becoming one of Josh Allen's favorite targets and it, he's just a great outlet for Allen and compliments Diggs so well and I'm telling you I am so mad I couldn't get this guy in fantasy in late rounds I, I didn't get him twice twice in both my leagues and I, I it, I'm, I'm very upset about it so if you got him in your league I'm jealous I, I had a crack at him two times in two leagues as well, but uh, I didn't. I didn't expect to see quite these kind of numbers coming from him. So I was wrong there, and I he slipped. I out. missed out, and it was my fault. 
Oof. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, most people who who play fantasy, I'm sure this man is on the waiver ri- wire, and we got to talk about Dawson Knox. Knox, man, five out of eight catches for 37 yards and two touchdowns. He's becoming more reliable, and we're talking about, you know, Diggs drawing all the attention. Okay, then we go to Emmanuel Sanders. What if he's covered? Okay, then we go to Knox or Beasley or Gabriel Davis. This this offense is loaded with weapons. And, guys, like, do you remember last season when the, I guess, the third or fourth option was, what's his name, uh, McKenzie? He's pretty much just like not in even in this offense anymore. It was just crazy because he let me look. Yeah, he didn't get a single target. McKenzie didn't get a single target in this game. He's just solely the returner. And that's crazy. Because he was a weapon last year and this that just says to me at least, this offense has evolved. Now what does it evolve to? It's people like Gabriel Davis not getting targeted only once or only getting targeted once what's that about this two weeks back to back this man Gabriel Davis hasn't gotten really anything going in this offense so I don't know what's going on with him do you do you have any insight on that no I don't I don't know what's going on there I think I think a a small part of it is this kind of emergence from Dawson Knox that you know we can we can run three receivers, two receivers, and we can have tight end formations where we can rely on Knox as a passing option a little bit more this year. I think we saw a little bit more of the four or five wide receivers last year because uh, they weren't comfortable putting Knox on the field and relying on him to make plays. Um, so I think that's a little part of it. Gabriel Davis remi- remains somebody that I want to see getting three, four, five targets a game just because I think he can have that that big impact on the game just based on what we saw last year. Um, but I think a little bit of it in this game as well is, you know, we, we've seen a lot of games where Josh is throwing it 40-plus times a game, and we come out and we throw the ball 17 times in a row, and, you know, receivers get a little fatigued, and you rotate in some of the other guys – um, this was a game where Josh only threw it 29 times. Um, so, you know, when you start feeding the running backs and start spreading the targets around and you're not running as much four wide, you know, I think that's part of, you know, a little bit of uh, decreasing Gabriel Gabriel Davis's production. Um, but I don't, mm-hmm. seeing, seeing one target from him, you know, I, I haven't really looked at how much snap, snap percentage he got, but we're also talking a, a game where Cole Beasley – who's like your two a receiver two b receiver only had two targets himself mm-hmm. so i think it's going to be something that we see throughout the season where it's it's just going to be different miles to feed every week but if if emmanuel sanders can keep contributing like he is i think he's still going to get his five ten targets a game and that's going to take away from others yeah and i'm glad you brought up beasley because two targets he was clearly a part of the game plan last week, but this week, not so much. And I'm not really sure why that was, but I do know he got a haircut. Correlation. 
Causation. Short hair Beasley. No haircut. Short hair like, Beasley. Can't short hair play. Beasley. Can't catch. Long hair Beasley catches. Just saying. Just saying. Put it out there. All right. Let's talk about these rushing yards and wrap up the offense. Uh, rushing yards. You know, Devin Singletary leads the team with 14 carries, 79 yards. But Zach Moss is right there. 14 carries, 16, 61 yards. And the the team split carries evenly with Singletary and Moss, but I felt like they were leaning more towards Moss, uh, especially because Singletary came in a little bit later when the starters came out, and I think that was because he fumbled. And the Bills are looking more balanced through week four than... I ever thought they would have. I thought this would have just been all pass again. And it's great because uh, we our defense is looking good, and we're when we need to run the ball, we're going to have to. And it looks like the Bills can do that so far this season. Yeah, I, I have similar takeaways with the running game as I did last week. Um, something I mentioned last week that I liked seeing with the run game is you see for Terry, um his longest carry was 15 yards, and for Moss it was 17 yards. Um, so, again, we have another week where, you know, 14 carries and they're averaging 5.6 yards and they're 5.6 and 4.4. And there's not like a 40, 50 yard run that's that's really skewing the numbers. It's actually a pretty mm-hmm. consistent five or so yards. Um, so I do like seeing that, that it's not like, you know, the mirage of we had a run offense. It's, it's actually there. Uh, and then the fumbles for Singletary, it, it's starting to become a concern for me. Um, fortunately, he's not losing any of these fumbles, but we, we've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, some of his fumbles, like as he's going out of bounds. And he had another one this week. And at, at a certain point, the, the luck there is going to run out. The ball is going to go the other way. And, and whether mm-hmm. whether or not it's in a game where, that's something that really turns the tide and really ends up costing us uh, will remain to be seen, but that yeah. ball security is, is key. And if you're, if you're going to have any f- sort of fumbling problems, I I don't know. That scares me, man. Yeah. And Hey, it was really wet out there. So maybe I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's proven, I'm pretty sure he's fumbled every game this season thus far so i i can't really give just say that's the water on the ball buddy anyways that's going to wrap it up for the offense we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to wrap up this episode by talking about the defense and special teams Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up today's game recap episode by talking about the defense and special teams and, I guess, coaching and player of the week, all that good stuff. But let's talk about defense, and here are the stats, man. 47 tackles, 36 solo tackles, 3 sacks, star, boogie, each got one, and then there was just kind of like this team sack, so they didn't really award it to one person. It was just everyone i guess (laughs) uh four tackles for loss three qb hits nine pass breakups zero points allowed as we mentioned shutout the second shutout of this season and that's great so we got to start by talking about this defensive line at oliver 
he was nice man i'm i told you man he he's been coming on pretty pretty strong so far this season and i don't maybe he had a little extra pep to step because he was playing houston and you know he was from houston and played for houston so i think maybe he wanted to show out a little bit so uh pretty good on him star impacted the game and it's clear that this team is much better with star latule and you want to talk about him showing up in the stat books well he got a sack back-to-back weeks where star gets a sack and one thing that also surprised me was boogie basham he got a sack and he was activated and he used his time on the field very well considering that i just didn't think he was going to be out there today what what do you what are your takeaways on those three guys? So, Ed Oliver and Star are, are my two biggest takeaways from the defensive line. Uh, I think mm-hmm. overall Boogie didn't kind of blow me away or overly impress me. I, w- I was glad that you know one career start and he gets a sack. That's that's nice to see. Um, so I, I guess I'm more interested in seeing what his development looks like going forward. Um, but Ed Oliver's looked like a problem this year and that mm-hmm. we've been waiting for him to turn that corner and really show up as, as somebody that can wreck the game from the inside. Um, but also I'm loving what I see out of star this year. And even, even in stars prime, he was, he was really just like a, a run stuffer guy that ate up blocks. So the linebackers could move. He was never really like a pass rush guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, granted last week's sack was, you know, chasing the quarterback out of bounds and it happened to go for a negative yard. So he got credited with a sack. Um, but he's mm-hmm. he's shown at times that he's getting after the passer. And of all the things that I was excited to have from Star coming back to the team, um, that's not something that I was really counting on him for. Yeah. Definitely didn't think Star was going to be racking up the sacks uh, column, but hey, maybe he's maybe this is it, and that's okay because that's not what the Bills want him to do. This is just extra. So, and I'm all about extras. It's kind of like when you look at the ba- bottom of your like fast food bag, and then you see like an onion ring or a curly fry that you didn't order. You're very happy about it, considering you only ordered fries, and you're like, ooh, or if Hey, sometimes you get an extra chicken nugget in there, and you're like, ooh, nuggy. Hey, yeah, and you didn't even order it, but you got it. Love. That's that's what I'm. That's that's what star sacks are to me. Yeah. The un like the unfound chicken everybody, nugget that you didn't even order. Everybody loves a surprise chicken nugget. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and uh, outside of that, to your point. It just kind of felt like the defensive ends were a little quiet in terms of pressure and sacks. So that's really all I got to say about them. I I think they held up very nice in run defense, though. So got to give them credit for that. Forced everything inside. And then we got to talk about these linebackers, man. These linebackers looked real good. And we got to start with Matt Milano. He got hurt on the first series. I saw the post that Banged Up Bills put up, and it looks like he was trying to slow down, but this giant man behind him was pushing him forward as he's trying to slow down. So it's like, okay, 
I'm going to try my your muscles just trying to like compress but someone's just trying to pull it apart at the same time so it's I I can see where he pulled the hammy and let's hope it's nothing some it's nothing serious and McDermott said it was day to day day to day greater than week to week so that makes me feel a little bit better about it but I'd rather hear yeah he's good I think he I think they took him out for precautionary reasons what are your thoughts about the Milano injury yeah I I think we saw last year how integral he is to the defense um so I mean outside of like Trey White I really don't want to see anybody else on the defense miss time more than I don't want to see Milano miss time um mm-hmm. like you said it, it kind of seemed like you know he was walking around on the sidelines he had his helmet it it looked like if need be he was ready to go back in so that makes me feel better um yeah but you know, day-to-day from Sean McDermott usually is a pretty good indicator um, to whether or not the player's going to play, usually more often than not. When he gives – he's usually pretty transparent where if he says day-to-day, mm-hmm. it's a real day-to-day and not, you know, kind of coach speak. Um, so if, if he gave me week-to-week, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be very optimistic for him playing this week. Um, but he – Yeah. Despite not having success against the Chiefs, if – if we are to beat the Chiefs, Milano's going to be a big factor into that, in my opinion. So, really hope he's back out there. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't come back in this Houston game, as we just mentioned. But AJ Klein filled in relatively good. He got he even got a pass on a ball, uh, which ended up getting intercepted. So, AJ Klein fit in pretty well during this game. Uh, but... You know, how would you feel, assuming assuming that Matt Milano can't go for Kansas City, how confident are you and A.J. Klein in this matchup against the Chiefs? Uh, Not worried, a little worried, or very I, worried? I, I was in the very worried um, section of this poll here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that, to me, that's not really an indictment on AJ Klein. I think he's I think they figured out a role for him in this defense that made him kind of by the season's end like a higher end backup player. Um but the problem mm-hmm. is for me with the Chiefs in particular is that he and Milano aren't similar players. It's it's not a one for one swap and yeah, we don't we don't need AJ Klein's role. We need Matt Milano's right. role. And and one of the biggest threats with the Chiefs is is trying to slow down Travis Kelsey. And again, while we didn't mm-hmm. do very good of that, very good at that last year, I like our chances mm-hmm. a lot better with Milano being able to handle some of those responsibilities versus AJ Klein. I just don't think it's it's not AJ Klein's wheel, wheelhouse and then to possibly have to come in and try shutting down the best tight end in the game. It's, it's just not really fair. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's not fair. And we, we turn to the Twitter polls here and 14.9% of voters said, said they weren't worried about AJ Klein, uh, subbing in for, you know, Matt Milano. And then 
43% said a, a little worried, and then 41.9% said all agree with uh, Justin saying very worried. I, I'm in the category of uh, a little worried just because I'm not sure what the Bills are going to do this time versus the last two times. So maybe AJ Klein's role is necessary for this matchup, but uh, we'll have to see. Wait and see. Uh, Edmonds seemed to be super, super consistent. He's looking great. Got that interception, and this man was just playing fast, dude. Uh, I, I I don't know why people hate on this man, Edmonds, because he's done nothing but improve season after season. So, I, sh- I mean, shit. Like I said, A.J. Klein even did good. He got, if he if he got a ball on a hand or if he got a hand on a ball to get an interception, Tremaine Edmonds gets an interception. Like your your team's doing good, so I'm I'm pretty happy with the performance of the linebackers here. Yeah, and and I know we talked about it last week. I I have my doubts. Oh, Ellie came in for a visit. Um, I have my doubts about Edmonds, but he did have he did have a pretty good game. I thought he started out a little bit slow, but. Ended up having a good overall game. Yeah. Now let's talk about these cornerbacks here. And it looks like Justin has a very special guest on his camera, if you can see him. It's his dog. It's his dog. And he's here to talk about the cornerbacks. And we got to start by uh, talking about Cam Lewis here. He played very good. You don't see a huge drop-off when he comes in. And we got to keep protecting this guy because he's clearly – in my opinion, uh, a solid backup to Teron Johnson. Um, it's just I just don't think there's a spot for him on this roster, and it's unfortunate because I think he can make the roster on a couple of teams in the NFL. But uh, we didn't hear anything from him, which is great news. Speaking of not hearing from anyone, uh, you didn't hear from Trey White or Levi Walls, which is great, especially from Levi Walls considering he was going up against – um Brandon Cooks who's third in the league in terms of receiving yards so he kept him under wraps you just didn't hear anything yeah I think this is like uh a full compliment to the whole defense on having a matchup against a quarterback in Davis Mills that you knew you could throw some looks at and there was no point in the game where he looked confident with anything he was doing um I, I think part of Cook's numbers this year are kind of inflated and you know being the only real weapon on that team um but even with that you know the this texans team had eight yards at halftime you know by the time we get to the fourth quarter we have our our backups coming into the game on defense so like i feel like our whole secondary in general the linebackers chipping in pretty much just shut down any thought of anything that they thought they were going to have success with and mm-hmm. again yes the, the nobody expects the texans to be this year but i mean these are all still professional athletes made it to the nfl and there was just literally absolutely nothing that they tried to do that had any sort of positive results yeah like no positive results and <laughs> Let's talk about the safeties because uh, Micah Hyde got an interception. Jaquan Johnson got an interception. 
feel like uh, Oprah. You get an interception. You get an interception. It, like this team, this defense was literally just balling out. There's there's no other way to put it. And the safeties literally contributed to that success. So this team, man, so far so good. Uh, let's transition towards uh, special teams and coaching real quick. McKenzie, much better the last week than this. Or I'm sorry, he did much better this week than last week. Um, he pretty much went toe to toe with Andre Roberts in terms of the punt game, but return game did much better than um, McKen or Andre Roberts. But uh, you can't really compare special team units by return yards. There's much more that goes into it than that. Uh, Bass converted all of his field goals and extra points, but uh, I'd like to see touchdowns and not field goals. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. Hawk only had one punt, so I guess that means he was consistent. And, uh, yeah, coaching. Coaching, coaching, coaching. Leslie, man, he's he's in the back cooking. He's doing work out there. Uh, but, uh, Dable, you need to take a page out of uh, Leslie's book because uh, that red zone offense needs a little bit of a tune-up. Just a little bit. Yeah, and... The special teams were overall a pretty quiet day. I mean, Kenzie didn't really blow me away, but he didn't have any of some of like the previous mistakes we've seen so far this year. So I'm going to call that an arrow up for mm-hmm. him. Um, Bass, at one point during the game, I was texting you and uh, producer Jake, and I, I had Bass as my player of the game at, at one point, and I wasn't happy about it because we were – you know, not not converting in the red zone, but Bass mm-hmm. has been stellar this year. I, I think he what he has one miss kick on the season. It was like a fifty four, fifty five yard or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, and it would have broken a record. Yeah, so I mean, Bass is doing his thing. Still love the one eye black. That's amazing to me. Um, yeah, Matt Hawk is kind of trending towards the. The Bojo problem last year, where Bojo was like supposed to be in consideration for All Pro punter or whatever, and and they weren't even sure if he was going to get to the the minimum attempts number to qualify. Mm-hmm. So any anytime you have that in, being factored into your punting game, I'm I'm good with that. And yeah, to your yeah. to your point, Leslie Frazier, whatever him and McDermott are cooking up every week, they're they're killing it on game plans um the the offense to me seems like we're almost like hampered when we get in real tight um like inside the 10 like we're almost better off scoring from like the 20 yard line where the the field's a little bit more opened up which has been a little bit concerning to me this year because i think that's somewhere that we strived last year in kind of the creativity of using Isaiah McKenzie or, you know, run pass options with like a quarterback sweep. Um, Just a couple of plays like that, that we haven't really seen a ton of this year. And like I said earlier in the show, you know, it's, it's hard to have much complaints when your team wins 40 to nothing. Um, But it's also Mm -hmm. a game where we went three of seven in the red zone. Um, so just kind of those those missed opportunities there 
it wasn't a, a real overall negative in this game, but it, it could be going forward. Yeah, and uh, last year's red zone offense was, I believe, the number we had the number one offense in the end zone uh, this year so far through four games. Not to that level, but hey, there's room for improvement. And speaking about uh, some improvement, let's talk about the spotlight player of the spotlight player of the week. And for me, and I believe for you, we all agree that it w- was Diggs. You know, we we got to share some love. We wanted to say, I at least I me, I wanted to put Knox on there, but uh, Diggs just showed out a little bit more. I was considering Allen too, but. Hey, Diggs got his first 100-yard uh, receiving yard game, and he made some tough catches out there, so he, he gets my nod. Yeah, there there was a lot of candidates for, for it this week, and I feel like this might be a common problem we have where it's like, ah, there's so many people we could give it to. Um, but they, for me, it was a pretty easy answer at the end of the day. Diggs coming out and having his first 100-yard game of the season and just, just really balling out and – Love to see it, and I hope uh, hope we get to give it to him a few more times this year. For sure. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this game uh, game preview. No, I'm sorry, game uh, recap here against the Houston Texans. So go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and review our podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. As always, you can uh, find us on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, and you can find us on most social media platforms by looking up the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We're always looking for amazing guests, so feel free to reach out to us to get on our show or just share your opinions and thoughts that we would love to add to our show. Uh, Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on any social medias. Just search at jgads22. And you can always find me by searching up 2 Changs. Stick around for uh, tomorrow's episode where we give you the game re or preview. I'm, I'm like all backwards right now. Game preview against the Kansas City Chief. All right, go Bills. Go Bills.